0: This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, "No game plan, no victory." Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. The Eagle and North End 76 stations and on-the-fly service station on Collister and State. McDowell Specialty Repair, Hendrickson's Fine Jewelry, the place to go for that special someone. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and & Cook Mortgage, LLC. Stop by their new location at 512 North 13th Street in Boise, online at sboyle.castlecookmortgage.com. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, on today's show, we're going to listen to a fantastic message from Mike Singletary as he spoke to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, Breakfast here in Boise recently. So without further ado, here's Mike.
1: Very honored uh, to have the opportunity to be here. I'm thinking about the question that you asked uh, the young men about their favorite Marvel hero. I have a son-in-law, and to this day I'm still trying to figure it out. Who would you rather have, who would you rather be, Batman or Superman? He says Batman. Okay. When I look at Batman, Batman has to have stuff. He has to have gadgets. Batman just can't go. Batman can't fly. Now, you know, granted, Superman, a little kryptonite, that's going to get him every time. But other than that... Batman? (laughs) I'm originally from Houston, Texas. I'm the last of 10 kids. I'm also the smallest of 10 kids. And that includes my sisters. That is not a joke. Everybody thought I was just kidding around until they actually met my family. When I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, all of my sisters were there, and they were walking around together. And uh, my buddies were running up to me one by one saying, Mike, you aren't kidding around, man. You are the smallest. I told you. Um, growing up, I uh, was interesting. I, I would just use the word interesting. Um, before I was born, you know, being the last one, uh, the doctor's, really cited some complications, and really advised my mom and dad to abort me. Uh, they said I would never really have a normal childhood and, and there would be a lot of complications. But by my father being a Pentecostal pastor, um, they decided against that and uh, had me anyways. And maybe for the first six or seven years of my life, I was in and out of the hospital, um, different respiratory situations um, slept in a bubble for many years and um, I guess I was always the one just kind of in the background just kind of watching everything watching my sisters and brothers in their lives and decisions that they made watching mom and dad try to struggle through a marriage try to figure out how to make it work and I guess um, my life really all came into view when I was 12. When I was 12 years old, it just seemed like everything just came to the forefront. I remember standing in the kitchen one day, and my dad walked in and asked my mom if she would step outside. Mom went outside, and I'm standing there looking at mom and dad, and Dad turned toward my mom and says, "Um, I want a divorce. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of trying to work things out. Um, We just need to move on. And Dad walked out, and I turned, and I looked at my mom, and I'll never forget the tears running down her face trying to figure out, what do I do? How do I make ends meet? How do I pay for this house? Dad walked out and got married. Shortly after that, to another lady. And as I watched my mom navigate her way through that process, there were many times at night I would hear her in a room crying, praying to God, Lord, how in the world do I make it? And I would get up and I would kneel beside her and say, Mom, it's going to be okay. Somehow, way." Someday, Mom, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to build you a house. She would look at me and smile and just say, Son, it's okay, just finish school. It's just tough right now. Right after my dad left, my brother Grady came home. And um, he moved in uh, to kind of be the man of the house and help out my mom financially. Mom had got two or three jobs working literally 23 hours a day pay off the house that we came very close to losing. Grady came back home. He was next to me in the family line. And um, it was tough at first because growing up, Grady was my big brother. And it's kind of like, you can't tell me what to do. I mean, you can't tell me to empty the trash, when to empty the trash. You can't tell me to do my chores. You're not my dad. But after a short while, it, things began to work out and We formed a different kind of family, but it was very functional and it was working well. Well, Six months after Grady came back home, one night uh, my mom and I were sitting down talking and the phone rang. We didn't watch the news that night, but there was a serious automobile accident that happened and Grady was involved. The voice at the other end of the phone said, your son, Grady, has been involved in a very serious automobile accident. And there were five other drivers involved, and all of them are dead. Grady was the lone survivor at that time. The doctors told my mom that Grady would have a a strong chance of surviving because he was young, he was vibrant. He had a chance. Make a long story short, three days later, Grady was gone. All of my sisters and brothers were at the hospital, We're running up and down the halls, crying, trying to make some sense of it. I remember after Grady's funeral, coming home. and I'm 12 years old and I'm walking around in the kitchen and I make a decision. And at that time, I, I really didn't know what it was, but I just know that I've seen a lot of decisions made like that by people that don't even know that they've made that decision. But I made a decision at 12 years old after watching my dad walk out on my mom and watching my brother Grady come back home and how that ended up. I made a decision to just be in the middle. I just I just made a decision to be mediocre. I'm not going to try to be everything that I can be. I'm not going to try to be the best that I can be because I'm not sure that if I give everything that I have and it doesn't work out, I'm not sure if I can overcome that. But I don't want to be the worst either. Because if you're the worst, then nobody wants you on their team. But if you're in the middle, everybody loves you when you're in the middle. Because you're no threat. Man, they'll introduce you to all their friends. They'll introduce you to everybody. Hey, look at my buddy. This is Jim. This is John. This is Ashley. This is Tina. If you're in the middle, you're loved in America. When you make a decision to say, I am going to be the best ever, that's when you become the enemy. That's when people begin to look at you and say, who do you think you are? You think you're better than me? You really think you're something? Oh, you've forgotten where you came from. And when you're the worst, they just slide you aside. But I had made a conscious decision to just be mediocre. My mom knew me very well. We were very, very close. Mom came in the kitchen that day and said, son, I want you to sit down. I want to talk to you about this thing called life. She said, I know that you're hurting. I, I know that there's something inside that, that's really painful right now. And I want you to understand, son, that after 30 years of marriage and it doesn't work out, it's very painful. It's, it's hard to deal with. And, son, I hope in, in a lifetime that you never lose a child. I can't even begin to explain the hurt that I feel from that. But I want you to understand something. There is something very special about you. Son, I want you to understand that there is greatness in you. And if you give up now, you will never, ever see it in your lifetime. I want you to understand, son, that the thing that life is all about is when you fall flat on your face is making the decision to get up. Dust yourself off and get back in the ring. And son, when you get back in the ring, you just got to keep swinging. And you just got to keep swinging, son. And you just got to keep swinging until one day you're the only one left. That is the thing that life is all about. And then she asked me the question that changed my life. She said, I want to know, son. I know this is not a fair question, but I got to ask you. Will you become the man of the house? I'm thinking, Mom, this is a bad choice. I already have a plan here. But when I looked in her eyes, I realized that she believed in me. When was the last time that you had somebody believe in you? When was the last time you told someone that you believe in them and you really meant it? Well, at that moment, I looked at my mom, and I realized she needed me. And I looked at my mom, and I said, Mom, I can do that. That day, my life changed. I got up, and I walked in my room, and I got out a sheet of paper, and I began to write out my vision statement. And it sounded like this. Find a way to get a scholarship to go to college. Get my degree, in which I'd be the first in my family to do so. Become an All-American. Get drafted and go to the NFL. Buy my mom a house and take care of her for the rest of her life. Become an all pro. Go to the Super Bowl. And own my own business. At 12 years old, I wrote that out and I put it on my wall. Every night when I came in, I looked at it. Every morning when I woke up, I looked at it. I would get on my knees and I would pray and i say, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to get where I need to go. Give me the strength. I remember some nights in Houston, we didn't have an air conditioner. We had a ceiling fan. Most of the time that was out. You're sitting there and you're tossing and turning and in Houston. It can get pretty warm. And I get up and I go outside and I just start running. It'd be 12, 1 o'clock at night. And I'd run forward as fast as I could, backwards as fast as I could, sideways. And I look up toward the sky and I say, Lord, One day, one day, Lord, I'm going to make it, but I need you. I need your strength to help me get where I need to go. Lord, if you just bless me, I will give you everything I've got, every opportunity that I have. After my dad left, after my brother passed away and I had my vision statement, I started making decisions the very next day. There were four guys that I was hanging around with in school that I knew they weren't the best guys, but I I really felt that I needed them because they were popular guys and they said things and did things that I wasn't really a part of, really didn't think much of, but I I really just felt that I needed them. And that next day when I went to school, I got those four guys together and I said, hey guys, I can't hang out with you anymore. I'm going to go out for the football team. And they laughed at me and say, what, you're going to play football? Man, you're too small. How do you think you're going to play? You can't make the team. You're not good enough. You're not fast enough. And I just backed up and went in another direction. I was two weeks late going out for the football team. I begged my mom to let me play. Finally, after a couple of weeks, I wore her down every time from the time I got up, from the time I got in from school to the time I got up and went to bed. Every moment there was, I was asking her, please, mom, let me play. I got to play. I got to play. Finally, she said, son, I know you are too small to play this game. If you promise me that you'll not get hurt, you, you can go out there and try it. I had my fingers crossed behind my back. (laughs) Mom, I I can do that. School I went to was a small school, very poor school, not not a whole lot of the best equipment or anything like that. I got the last suit available. I put on my pants. My pants were down to my ankles. My shoulder pads were wobbling around. My helmet was kind of not fitting great. And I'm walking out to the football field. As I'm walking, I'm, I'm getting excited, and I start jogging. Coach turned around, and he saw me coming. I must have looked pretty interesting. He stopped practicing. Oh, 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 son, son, what, what do you want? I said, uh, Coach, I want to play football. It's a little late, right? Son, out here, we separate the men from the boys. You, you really don't look the part. Coach, I, I just want to play. So I'll tell you what. Come on over here. Son, if you can tackle Cookie, if you can tackle Cookie, you can play. I was looking at the guys. I was looking at the crew. Oh, I can handle it. And he said, uh, Cookie. Cookie said, yeah. <laughs> Cookie came out from behind the pile. I didn't see Cookie. I was like, wow. <laughs> Cookie had whiskers coming out of his chin strap. Coach walked over to Cookie and said, Cookie, I want you to run over him. I want you to run through him. You understand that? Yes, Cookie said, yeah. Came over to me. Son, I want you to hit Cookie. And he drew a line behind my heels. Cookie passed his line. If Cookie drives you past his line, son, we got a problem. Yes, sir. Coach blew the whistle. I would love to be able to tell you, my first time ever tackling somebody, I would love to be able to tell you that Coach blew the whistle, and I ran to Cookie. I ran through him, picked him up, jacked him up, put him on the ground, and said, What else do you want? That's not what happened. Coach blew the whistle, and Cookie drugged me all over the field. I was screaming the whole time. And after a short while, Coach Blutter-Whistle came over, picked me up off the ground, and I was looking at him out of, out of my ear hole. He said, son, I like that. I like that about you, son. I like that. You didn't let go. So I want you to be my middle linebacker. You know what that is? I said, no, sir. middle linebacker is the guy that stands in the middle of the line behind the defensive line and hits everything that moves. I said, I like that. And from that day forward, that's what I did. I love playing middle linebacker. I love playing football. A lot of guys play the game today, and, and it's just not the same. It's not the same because so many people have made football a game of entertainment. Football of trying to find an identity. My brand. Football to me is not entertainment. Football to me is life and death. Every time I stepped on the field, it was about life and death. It was about me doing my very best. Every tackle I made, every play that I made, every opportunity. I always said, Lord, if you give me the strength, I will get there. I'm going to take all that I am, everything that the coaches are teaching me. I'm going to do everything exactly the way it's been taught. I'm going to make every opportunity, the most of every opportunity that I get. Lord, you can trust me. I will never, ever quit. I will never dishonor you. I will always stand upright. I will always be a man of my word. I will always fight till the end. I will always do the right thing, even when I'm on one side and at the whole room. I don't care if this whole room is against me. It's okay. As long as I got God, I know I'm still, I'm still ahead of you. And that is something that I've always believed all of my life. The first scripture verse that I learned was I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the first scripture that my mom taught me. And I held on to that all my life. If that's true, Lord, if you hear me, I know I can do this. Whatever the obstacle may be, I know I can get through it. Now You would think that when I wrote that vision statement out and I put it on the wall, you would think that people would come in and go, wow, Mike, that's fantastic. That's great. But many well-meaning people came in and saw that vision statement on the wall and said, who do you think you are? Some people just laughed. (laughs) Some people in my family. You have any idea what this is? You're not going to do this. You're the smallest amongst all of us boys. How do you think you can even have a chance to do this? Just one day at a time. I just kept going forward. Some of you young athletes in here, there are going to be some days that you don't feel very good. There are going to be some days that you think that, you know what, I can't make it in this game. There are going to be some days that you think, I don't like this coach. I don't like this teammate. But it's all about who you belong to. I don't care what kind of team you support. I don't care if you have a t-shirt on that says Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, St. Louis Cardinals, uh, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the, the Rams, I don't care. As long as when you strip it down, Christ is the one team that you identify with. And if you're on that team, then you're on the ultimate team because all of those other teams will fade away. At some point in time, either you're going to say goodbye to them or they're going to say goodbye to you. At some point in time, all of your teammates, they're going to go separate ways. And you're going to have to answer to him. About who you are. When no one else is around. And that's really the most important thing. That is the thing that has sustained me throughout my life. I remember always having somebody to go to and say, how do I become the best? How do I become an all-pro? How do I become an all-American? How do I become all-conference? I didn't want to hear about how tall I was and the guy last year that made it, and man, he ran a four-three and then the guy before him. I didn't want to hear all that. All I wanted to do is have the question answered. What do I need to do in order to be this? And after I got the requirements, I never said, wow, I got to do all this. I took that list, and then I would go and put it down on my bed. And I would kneel before God, say, God, here it is. This is what they said I have to do. Now, what do you say about this? All I'm going to say is I'm going to give you all I have. And all I know is if I give you all I have, and you're going to meet me where I am, that's all I can ask. You got the rest. You got the final say.
0: Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Hollingshead Eye Center. See the difference experience makes. For more information, 208-336-8700. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Dominoes, Oh, yes, we did. Rocket Express Car Wash. It's a blast. Diamond Heating and Cooling. Boise Prostodontics. And Hoffman Auto Body. Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the game plan for life. Have a great weekend and remember, no game plan, no victory.